0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 98 of The Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. We are so happy to be together today. Um, We were apart. I went to a different state, which always feels weird.
1: I know. She was gone. Yeah. She was gone and I was my homebody.
0: Yeah, yeah, so we're thrilled. We really haven't seen each other since we recorded last.
1: Yeah, and you you have a nice little bit of a tan, a little bit of a glow about you.
0: I was in some sun. Nice. It was nice. And you always forget, too, when you go up in the mountains, you're just closer to the sun. Mm-hmm. So it, it was really nice. We had great weather. We were in Sedona, cool. Arizona, which I'd never been to.
1: Nice. Well, so. I know you'll have some Biblio adventures to tell us about. Um, before we dive in, we just wanted to acknowledge what's going on in the world with the coronavirus. Right. It's um, a
0: it's a little bit of a, you know, crazy time, a little scary, but we just want everyone to know we're thinking about them. Yeah, And we want to acknowledge that it's happening.
1: And, you know, a lot of people are saying that as readers, this is what we've been training for. We get to, some of us, I should say, can stay home, work from home, read. And for those of you who can't, our thoughts are with you as you're out there working in in your community.
0: Right? I mean, I date somebody who works in a hospital. So he's in the fray every day. And they are taking some measures even in hospitals to limit exposure. I mean, as they do every day, really, but taking some even more extraordinary precautions. But you know, we just recognize that it's a different time. You know, I know both my kids have called me kind of looking for comfort and advice. And I did the best job as I could as a mom. But you know, I've never lived through anything like this either. So we're all in it together. And we just want you to know we care about you. And we also recognize that we're a podcast. And built for fun (laughs) and escape and we hope that you know the next hour we can offer a little of that to you
1: yeah and other than your own computer or your own earbuds we're a no contact form of entertainment (laughs) so check
0: out some of our
1: back episodes we do have a lot of interviews with authors that could be fun to listen to if you haven't heard those yet
0: right and in upcoming jaunts we have some ideas also to share with you about things you can do while you're socially distancing yourself. Yes. We also have a big thank you. We want to thank listener Joanne who gave us a very lovely generous gift in honor of our upcoming 100th episode.
1: It's amazing. Thank you so much for that.
0: Yeah, we really Such appreciate kindness. it. It was so funny. We we had a little email back and forth cuz she actually lives in Arizona. And so I was there visiting and at one point she said, you know, I'm looking forward to the next 100 episodes and then dot, dot, dot. I hope that doesn't sound too tiring. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love doing this. Yes. It's great. So, yeah. Chris, what are you currently reading?
1: You know, I'm currently reading a couple things. Let me start with one that I'm reading for a readathon that I'm doing. It's the Whales Readathon. And I don't think I mentioned that on the last episode. I think I was a little wishy-washy about what I'd be reading next. I was in that kind of frame of mind. And then I was kind of looking at my whiteboard at home, things that I had listed. And March is the Wales Readathon month.
0: This is W-A-L-E-S, right? Wales, yeah, the country of Wales. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's like, oh, she's going to read a lot of Moby Dick. No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) You know, this is a literature that I know relatively nothing about. I was even surprised to find out that Sarah Waters, who's one of my favorite writers, is a Wales author. I had no idea. Um, So I will talk about an introduction to that literature in Just Read. But what I'm currently reading, wow, I'm long-winded today. <laughs> That's okay. Is a novel called One Moonlit Night. It's by Cardiff Pritchard. And this novel came out in 1961 and it was written in Welsh. Oh, wow. And it was voted the, the most influential, important novel from Wales. I believe it was in 2014. They did a big survey on that. So it is narrated by a boy. Well, he's a man looking back at being a boy, I believe, at this point. And it's set in the mid-19-teens, so around World War One. And it's translated into English and the translator is Niall Griffiths does a really good job of still making you feel like you're reading in a dialect because it was written in a Welsh dialect. Mm -hmm. So it is a little bit, you know, you don't really know what's going on. You can kind of piece things together and see what's happening as an adult through this kid's eyes. And it's a lot of abuse it's a lot of situations that kids just don't understand i'm just a few chapters in i wouldn't say it's bleak but it's not necessarily uplifting
0: yeah the cover looks a little stark
1: yeah Hmm. so again that's one moonlit night uh, by kardoth pritchard and i will be talking more about that next time if i get through it
0: the book that I'm currently reading and listening to will sound familiar to listeners because Chris talked about this a couple times. It's called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb, a therapist, her therapist, and our lives revealed. I have been listening to it this week, I really wanted just something kind of a little bit light yet uplifting mm-hmm. I feel like I need a little bit of that right now I've also come back from vacation with a ton of work to do but I had a drive and I thought treat yourself to listening to something fun and also right before I left our mutual friend Emily put this copy that she had gotten in my hands and she had just finished it and said take it on vacation you'll love it oh, That's great. but I couldn't justify taking it because it's, it's heavy yeah. and I had you know as you might imagine a few things already packed to read So I got into it when I got home. And I really like you, I'm really enjoying it. And I think the thing that I'm finding really interesting, because I have done therapy at different times in my life, and have found it really useful. I never really spent a lot of time thinking about what my therapist was thinking, you know, so it's really interesting to understand their process and their training and how she decided to become a therapist, you know, and then to have her have her own crisis you know she really understands the mind of her therapist that's helping her but recognizes the the traps and the loopholes and the the things that people say to try to make themselves feel better and She's human and does the same thing,
1: right? Yeah, she realizes like, oh, I'm doing that, right? Yeah, because you know, you so easy to see other people's behavior.
0: Of course, but your
1: own, you tend to really do a good job of masking from yourself until you can't anymore.
0: Right. And also just it's easier sometimes to deal with other people's problems than your own, you know, and sometimes you can't avoid your own problems. And still, particularly in her profession, then have, you know, for your profession, be helping other people with theirs. So right. I'm really enjoying it. And the audio is great. Cool. So I'm doing both, flipping back and That's forth. That's great. Yeah.
1: Nice. I'm surprised to see it's so thick because I read the an ebook version. Okay. And I didn't know it. It is rather yeah, on it's the thick side. It's the thickest book in your stack. It is,
0: indeed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, th- another book I'm... I'm doing the same thing I'm reading slash listening is uh, Jenny from reading envy did a, her read along recently has been the odyssey right. by Homer translated by Emily Wilson. So I haven't been doing that much driving lately. Well, you know, I listened to it coming over here, which is like what a four minute drive <laughs> right. over here. Uh, so I do want to pick up the book a little bit more uh, this weekend mm-hmm. than I had been. Cause you know, when I say flipping back and forth, it was more like audio. the book 10%. So that will probably be flipped this weekend.
0: Do you not listen at home when you're just at home to an audio?
1: You know, it depends on the book. Mm -hmm. It really does. Um, It's, I don't know. Laura and I are both home a Mm -hmm. lot together. um, So that can be challenging because she could be working on something and needing to focus and right. To have some audio book going on can be challenging. I got a new iPhone. A couple months ago, and one of the things that came with it is a three-month free of iTunes music. Mm -hmm. So I've been listening to more music when I'm doing stuff like washing the dishes, Mm -hmm. come to think of it, you know?
0: Yeah, because yeah, I do listen. I listen to audiobooks quite a bit when I'm cleaning or cooking or I have to do filing, which I hate. So yeah. I'll put on something on audio. Mm-hmm. But I also use podcasts for that. So, right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like when I listened to Michelle Obama's memoir recently, I had that on when I was doing dishes mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So
0: maybe it just depends on how much you need to listen to how deeply and well, I would think the Odyssey might be one you have to really listen deeply to.
1: Maybe. I mean, I've, I've read it a couple times before, so I'm familiar with the story. So I think if it's something I would be listening to for the first time, I am a little anal about that. And I yeah. realize, like, even when, if I'm listening to an album, I'll shut it off if I let the dogs out or something, because I don't want to miss anything. Oh, that's and so funny. I'm thinking, funny. like, that is a little <laughs> little A-type, isn't it, or something? Cause...
0: I think it's so cute that you just called it an album. <laughs> We are middle-aged people. (laughs) Hey, they
1: still—they still refer to them that way. I know, I know. (laughs) I could have said cassette, and that would have been scary. Or what about your old (laughs) eight-track? So anyway, I'm I'm happy to be making my way through the Odyssey. Do you have anything else you're currently reading? Mm -mm. I'm currently reading one more. um, Speaking of Sarah Waters, who I mentioned earlier. I was looking around for a comfort read because I've been having a challenging time focusing on fiction. I think mm-hmm. when I've, I've mentioned it before, when I'm a little stressed out or whatever, I, I tend to gravitate towards nonfiction. That could be one reason why One Moonlit Night isn't exactly going down like a <laughs> yummy piece of cake at this right. point. Um, but I'm, so I'm reading, rereading Tipping the Velvet by Sarah Waters, which is one of my favorite novels of all time.
0: And how are you feeling? Because sometimes you step back into a favorite and things can happen differently. I love it. Oh, good. I mean, this
1: is probably like the sixth or seventh time I'm reading this one. So I've read it a bunch. And I downloaded it, the e-copy from the New York Public Library, Mm -hmm. which is so convenient. They have their own app, which is really straight up and simple to use. So that well, is what I'm currently reading.
0: That's interesting, too, because that's not only that you're looking for comfort fiction, but you, it's like visiting an old friend if you've read it that many times. Yeah, so that's absolutely. really nice.
1: Yeah. Good. And it's one of those novels where I've reread it in the past to kind of get a sense to, to try and figure out, like, how does she cause this effect?
0: Hmm. Why
1: do I feel this way about the characters? You know, how does she set this scene?
0: So you're reading it kind of like a writer.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the first time I read, it, I just fell in love with this character. Nan King is her name. She's the narrator. And I she's one of my favorite
0: characters in literature. Oh, great. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I've never read anything by her.
1: I love her earlier work. Her more recent novels are not my cup of tea, unfortunately. She made her mark with these romping Victorian type novels. Well, they're set in Victorian England that are about gender and sexuality and they're feisty and just full of great characters and then I feel like this is such a judgment and I'm making up a story but I feel like all of a sudden she tried to get like literary Mm. more I mean whatever that means but I just feel like her writing
0: has become really bland Hmm. yeah interesting yeah well I'm glad you've got her old ones to visit totally that's good yeah (laughs) So what did you just read?
1: Well, I just read The Literature of Wales uh, by Dapheth Johnston, which is a pocketbook, pretty much is what the publisher has called it. It is just over 200 pages long. And that is, you know, the index is what puts it over 200 pages. So The Literature of Wales, it's 1500 years of literary history packed into this tiny book. So, I think the writer did a great job of introducing the reader to some of the major writers and some of the major themes and types of writing. He starts off with the heroic poetry, and that's his specialty, is like early medieval Welsh and Irish literature are are his specialties. He's an academic. He really does a great job with these earlier chapters of laying out who the major writers are, what their themes were, what was going on within Wales and outside of Wales influencing the country. And then in later chapters, it gets a little unwieldy. Mm. Did I say that word correctly? Yeah. yeah. Um, Because, you know, I think there's, you know, there's the explosion of the printing press. There's the increase in literacy in the Victorian age. So there are so many more writers out there. And my one, my probably my biggest complaint is the lack of examples of women writers in here. There are a couple in the later chapters, but you know, he mentions some women writers who were influential, and there's not an example given. Mm. And I just kind of feel like, really? So you're going to give me this example of a pedophile writing this poem about fantasy raping a 10 year old girl and call it a love poem? Ooh, yeah, yikes. that that was a yeah, yeah. I, I wrote a review on my blog about it. As I said, overall, I think it's a really good introduction, but it does have its problems. But for being just over 200 pages and covering 1500 years of literary history, I think it is a good place to start.
0: Yeah, but it's good that you see that there's some gaps and maybe you can find some other resource for filling in those gaps. Yeah, the question is whether it exists.
1: Well, Funny that you say that because um, one of the comments on my blog was from a fellow blogger who said that just last year, the Cambridge Companion to the Literary History of Wales—I'm totally butchering that title—just came out, and it's 800 pages. Oh, so I mean that is going to be a more thorough history. Right. Again, this book is just an introduction but a very good one. And I read it. I mean, I I love reading about pre-20th century literature. So I whipped through those initial chapters and then it kind of slowed down a little bit because it did start feeling like a laundry list. Yeah. It's like names, names, names. It wasn't really contextualized as well as the earlier chapters.
0: Maybe the 800 pager will be.
1: Right. Yeah. So, (laughs) So that's what I just read. And that is really the only thing that I finished, I think, since we last talked. So... You I, you have a stack going. Yeah.
0: So. I read a lot because I was on vacation and had a couple flights, which I always love to read. As a matter of fact, it was hilarious because I had a plan, of course, for my flights about what to read. And I was sitting in the middle seat, the gentleman callers in the aisle. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, maybe the window seat's going to remain empty. And then this young kid walked up and started talking as soon as he sat down, which to me <laughs> is like the kiss of death for an airplane flight. And Jim is super chatty. So I always think, you know, if you weren't so tall, you should really have the middle seat and Mm -hmm. you could talk the whole flight and I could read. But because you're not going to talk to me. (laughs) I make that very clear. Anyway, I did the rude thing of like opening my book right away. And, um, you know, he had to fend for himself over in the window seat. But so, the first book I read was *A Small Thing to Want* by our buddy Shuli Kaywood. This is her debut book of short stories that will be published on May third. Pre-order it, everybody! It really does help. I loved it. It's about love which is what Shulie often writes about how love comes in many different shapes and sizes and enters your life and exits your life and how we look for love, how we sometimes have to turn away from love. And Shulie always has in, in a story, a turn of phrase that just kind of takes your breath away. So as Chris can see, it has quite a few little orange tabs throughout it. I had I wrote notes furiously the whole time I was reading it. At one point, Jim's like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Well, we're going to be talking to Shuli soon, and I don't want to forget." you know so i was writing away but i really enjoyed it i highly recommend if you're a short story reader that you get your hands on this request it from your library i can't recommend anymore i've been locked out of every <laughs> library system actually that's not true i did just recommend something recently and was thrilled that they must have i don't know i think sure. as they as books that i've recommended get purchased perhaps then i can they get wiped off my list i don't know how it works but anyway i did recommend something recently to the Guilford library so anyway it's called a small thing to want I loved it we'll be talking to Shuli later I think in April Great. um pre-pub date for, I look forward to reading that one yeah Chris and I fought over it I got to take it on vacation and now I'm handing it to her You're, it's hers now oh
1: wow with your tabs don't you have to detab it
0: no I'm not going to detab it that's a nightmare is that going to bother you yeah <laughs> okay Maybe I'll take, so I'll have to take notes. We're going to have to deal with this.
1: I don't know. It does look really color coordinated because the cover does have this orangish, yellowish tint to it and they're orange tabs.
0: But it's going to bug you if my tabs are in there.
1: Well, that could be a good talking point though when we talk about the book because I could be like why did you tab this
0: or you could tab with a different color and then we could compare tabs okay
1: that's a deal let's do that
0: okay now I'm worried I'm afraid you're gonna have like rage at one point and tear out all my tabs (laughs) maybe I should take pictures of them (laughs) no I
1: won't I promise I won't take out your tabs I promise but that's a really good idea I'll use like blue or green tabs and then we can kind of compare
0: notes that's great or or I would imagine as you're reading it's like why would she tab that so we'll see (laughs) So that was the first one. I also finished a book that I talked about on the last episode that I was currently reading at the time called this town sleeps by Dennis E. Staples. It's out now this, I won't talk too much about it. Um, It is a book about a young man who moves back to his small Minnesota town, just on the outskirts of a the Ojibwe reservation where he was raised. He gets into kind of a secret, illicit love affair with another man who isn't out of the closet, his mother ends up being an integral part of the story. And there's a little bit of um, mysticism, you know, Native American mysticism and an old uh, murder that Mm. is kind of a mystery that becomes part of the story as well. I really enjoyed it. And this is a debut novel. I'm curious to see what he's going to write next as well. So I highly recommend it. It's out now This Town Sleeps, Dennis E. Staples. I read Who is Vera Kelly oh, by cool. Rosalie Knecht. I think that's how you say her name. She's going to be a Booktopia author.
1: Yeah. Now, is that the first one?
0: It's the first, the first one. one. Okay. Yeah. There's another one, the second in the series um, has, I can't remember if it's out yet.
1: It I might think not it's be. It's coming out. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's
0: out yet. I think that's why I got this because I thought, well, let me read the first one because I'm kind of anal that way anyway. <laughs> And it was interesting. It's a young woman who becomes a CIA agent in the 60s. She's sent to Argentina. Her specialty is wiretapping. Remember back in the day when they did things a lot differently? (laughs) Like there was a little microphone they had to hide somewhere in like a picture frame in someone's office. So it's in the time of her being a young CIA agent. But then also there are chapters that go back in time that deal with her youth and her troubled relationship with her mother. At one point, she even ends up in Juvie. So it's a very interesting how she intertwines and builds this character. It also has the history of her sexuality. And she is a young gay woman in the 60s, which is a much different landscape than it is today. Yeah, And she gets caught up in a coup in Argentina. And so it's very interesting. It was slow going for me, I have to admit. About halfway through, then I was like, okay, I want to see what happens to this person. All right. And so...
1: Is there some humor involved in it? Because I have it with me here. I checked Mm -hmm. it out of the library and the cover looks a little like it would have some humor to it. But from what you're describing, it sounds rather intense.
0: I didn't think it was particularly funny. Mm. No. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I didn't. I can't remember laughing (laughs) (laughs) at all. But I thought it was interesting. I mean, I think that one of the reviews I read, someone said, oh, she really did her homework to understand the government and what was happening during that time and what it was like to be an agent during that time and so I think for you someone who's read a lot more in that genre you might find that part really interesting but I didn't think it was funny okay just curious yeah yeah so again that's who is Vera Kelly and her second book I believe comes out in early spring
1: yeah I think so in time for booktopia yeah
0: the other book I got I, I was on vacation. I had finished Two as Vera Kelly, and it was a little bit more serious than I wanted, really, for a vacation read. But I was wanted to know what happened, so I stuck with it. So I went for a complete guilty pleasure, and I read Big Summer by Jennifer Weiner, which comes out on May nineteenth. So sorry, everybody, that's a little bit of a distance. But I loved this book. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I pretty much love any book that takes place in Cape Cod. (laughs) So this one takes place both in Cape Cod and in New York City. And the fun part for me about the scenes that take place in New York City is it's about a young woman, Daphne, who is in her early 20s, I believe, and maybe even to her late 20s. But she's in her 20s. And she and her dad, as she was growing up, would do these fun day Sundays where they would just get on a train in New York City and go to some restaurant and try a different kind of cuisine, an ethnic cuisine, which in New York you could do endlessly. I mean, you could take 52 Sundays and never eat the same food twice, right. you know. yeah. And so they did that and then they would go shopping and buy exotic foods and her parents were just wonderful parents she had a really great time in her life growing up but she has she's a big girl and she becomes an Instagram influencer for plus size models basically or for she's I don't I don't know if you'd call her a plus size model but she's she is proud of her body and she uses that to become an Instagram influencer and part of why that happened and she she lit off on that path is because she had a very bad situation with a best friend that was filmed Mm. and the video went viral because it was taking place at a bar. (laughs) And so she kind of capitalized on that moment of fame and became an Instagram influencer. And at first, that's what the very beginning chapters are about. I was like, I don't know if I can do this because I'm not big into fashion, anyone (laughs) who knows me. And so I thought if this is all going to be about what she's wearing and all that, I don't think this is the book for me. But then very quickly it changed and it became about friendship and a mystery. There's a death in it, which completely surprised me. I was not ready for that. And then characters in Cape Cod in both New York. So I grew to just love it. And I just just tore through it. I loved every minute of it. Sounds like a great summer read. Yes, definitely a beach read. And, you know, I should harken back to when I said this is a guilty pleasure book Someone recently on some version of social media really was questioning when people say something is their guilty pleasure, mm-hmm. whether it's your favorite pizza or your favorite book or your favorite sweater, you know, that's got holes in it or whatever. Like, why call it a guilty pleasure? Just be happy with yourself and what you like, <laughs> you know. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, as if I'm supposed to rereading something else. In other words, like just read yeah. what you, you enjoy. You gotta get back to Henry James. Yeah, that's like right. <laughs> so big summer easy title to remember i absolutely loved it i highly recommend it and then the next book i i read that actually i just finished once i got home from vacation was called dominicana by angie cruz
1: that sounds really familiar
0: it's been out for a while I think and it's gotten really great press she may have even won some awards for it I'm not exactly sure I didn't look that up but um, this is about a young woman who's 15 living in the Dominican Republic and her parents basically match her up with a man twice her age who's got a presence in the United States and seems to be doing well there he and his brothers and there's kind of an exchange where the parents are going to sell them some of their property in the Dominican Republic for this marriage. Wow. So she's a girl. She's being a, married to a man. Yes. Yes. And that part I had to keep reminding myself as I was reading it. She's 15. Yeah. She's 15, you know, and not only does she live in the Dominican Republic, but she lives in the country. I mean, she is definitely not used to the city life. And here she comes with this man who ends up being abusive to live in a tall building on the streets of New York City, ends up pretty quickly pregnant. And he goes back to the Dominican Republic because war breaks out there, essentially, or unrest, I should say. And she's in New York City, not speaking the language. He has two brothers that are still there that kind of, I'm using air quotes, take care of her. But um, she ends up starting to go to the local church to learn English. And as he leaves to to go back to the Dominican Republic and ends up there for a few months, she actually really does well with her freedom and, you know, learns to be a young 15 year old pregnant person in the United States, but certainly does not have an easy life. And I thought the writing was beautiful. It was a difficult book to read, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it reminded me a little bit of American Dirt, just in the sense of, you know, what does happen when people come to the United States as immigrants or refugees? What is their plight? What job can they get? What What can they do? How can they learn the language and get used to this lifestyle that's so incredibly different. Eventually her mother and her brother one of her brothers come to the United States just as she's about to give birth. So it was a good story. I highly recommend it. Um again, Dominicana by Angie Cruz. That's all I read. Wow. <laughs> good. So
1: you you came really close to reading a book a day
0: close was, five yeah, yeah. yeah although was... Dominicana I finished I think a couple of days ago once I was home but okay. yeah oh, nice. I mean we didn't I you know it's funny as you were just saying about maybe you should talk to someone I did mostly e-reading other than Shuley's book and I never pay attention to how long a book is when I open up a new book in my e-reader so mm-hmm. I, I have no idea how long Big Summer was maybe <laughs> it was 500 pages you know I don't know yeah but um, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed not even like I love it now when I get into an ebook and I'm not even paying attention to how far I am in it right yeah I always think that's a bad sign when I'm like how many pages do I have to or what percentage am I like uh uh-oh maybe you should reevaluate this (laughs) I know yeah (laughs) but I read quite a bit and you know part of why I read a lot is Jim likes to sleep late and I don't I'm a very early riser so I got that time in the morning to just, you know, read nice, really enjoyed it. And then of course, airplanes, I love an airplane. (laughs) And Jim was asking me, he was like, why do you like being on an airplane so much? And I think part of it has to do with when you you and I were just talking about this before we mic'd up that when you work for yourself, the work is always there when you're at home. Yeah, you just you can say to yourself, okay, you're closing the computer. Now it's nine o'clock at night, you know, be done. But it's always there. When I'm on an airplane, I mean, I can, uh, I suppose, bring work on the airplane. But when I'm on it, not on a work trip, I don't. Right. And it's like, this is what I have to do now. Yeah. I get to read. That's it. Yeah. There's no it's other nice, choices. It's
1: like a psychological, physical cut off.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. And no, don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just something about it that's so freeing. I mean, I think it's the same reason I love to stay in a hotel. It's like I'm not in my place of work yeah. slash my home I know? love staying in a hotel oh I love it so much yeah, yeah. and I know that that has something to do with it mm. you know so yeah. plus you know someone else cleans it which I love too yeah so, very nice yeah
1: very much appreciated <laughs> Biblio Adventures, tell us about your Arizona Biblio Adventures.
0: We got to go to two bookstores. It was really nice. Jim has an old coworker that lives in Prescott, Arizona. So we went and took a great bike ride there. There's this wonderful cinder, like a rails to trails cinder bike path that we took. And then we met um, this couple, lovely couple, for lunch. And then I said, "Of course, is there a local bookstore?" And they were like, "Yes." As a matter of fact, there is Peregrine Book Company, and the Peregrine Falcon—I think that's how you say it—Peregrine, Peregrine, Peregrine. P- Peregrine. How I've heard it. Yeah. Okay. Peregrine. Peregrine Falcon is one of the fastest birds in the world, mm-hmm. and I saw one when we were driving there. I mean, it was so fast, I couldn't believe it. It came just screaming right in front of our car and like it was looking for something in a field next to the truck so nice.
1: they're popular in, in cities too they dig skyscrapers oh, from I what I understand that. yeah
0: oh interesting yeah I would think they'd have a hard time flying fast with all those tall buildings yeah, but I guess
1: they swoop down and get things this is research from a young friend who was really into birds of prey
0: that's cool I wonder if they eat pigeons that's interesting well Mm -hmm. anyway the bookstore was beautiful and they had a little peregrine mascot there this beautiful copper I think or you know I don't know what metal it was sculpture right by the cash register they had a great selection of ink pens I thought of you in ink yeah in this beautiful glass case And the store was just really long and beautiful natural light from Skylights. And it was a beautiful sunny day when I was there. They had tons of comics. They had something I'd never seen in a bookstore. You probably have. A lot of books had a a sticker on them that said Publishers Overstock. And so they were really discounted Mm -hmm. books. And they had tons of those cookbooks poetry books i mean it was a fantastic store i loved it
1: yeah that's uh, like remainders or bargain books Mm -hmm. like at the front of barnes and noble you know how they have
0: those i guess i've just never seen the sticker on it like that yeah i don't
1: know if i've ever seen a sticker called it that um unless i i know some of the bulk sales of books like that come from the uk sometimes so maybe they have a different sticker maybe
0: huh Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because they had a a number of them. And I got I picked up a copy of our next read along, which if people missed the announcement on the last episode, it's Go Went Gone by Jenny Erpenbeck. I'm really excited about this book. And we'll be talking about it. I believe it's the episode that airs on May 26th.
1: So there's time to get a copy. And yeah. we wanted to go with a copy. Well, we wanted to go with a book that we've both been wanting to read. Mm-hmm. That's always our our go-to for right. full disclosure there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we'd like to get a book too that's readily available for people yeah. in paperback. Yeah. Um or that libraries will have too.
0: Right. And the on the Goodreads page, you know, we have the Goodreads page open and someone did say, oh, my copy is on its way, you know, so that was exciting. Yeah. yeah. And it was fun to find it there. Of course, I was like, you know, I try to look for things I need. Because <laughs> yeah. it's a slippery slope when you walk into those bookstores. Yes, indeed. Um, and then in Sedona proper, there was a great bookstore called the literate lizard. Oh, my <laughs> God, what a beautiful store. And the their shelves were made out of trees, like tree branches. branches yeah, yeah, that's
1: really cool. Laura thinks that we'd been there. I oh. didn't remember, but she hmm. thinks we were there. Looked familiar to her.
0: Okay, good. Yeah. yeah, beautiful store. Also another, you know, super sunny day, and they had a really nice selection. And they, they also had a bunch of those fun tote bags, you know, like Dangerous Women Read and Nice. You know, so it it was a really nicely laid out store. I was very tempted to buy more books, but I was careful because my suitcase was heavy because it turns out the gentleman caller loves to collect rocks. (laughs) (laughs) So both of our suitcases were rather heavy (laughs) upon return. That's Uh, so
1: funny. Yeah, the luggage handler was like,
0: what is in here, rocks? I I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then he spent much of Sunday looking at his rocks. I mean, we 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 were double whammied because we flew in and out of Boston and we didn't land until midnight and then it was daylight savings and then we had to drive home. I don't think we got to his house till three thirty in the morning. Oh, man. I know. I've been really tired this week <laughs> and finally I was like, Well, you lost a night's sleep, you know, you're yeah. not young gun anymore. You can't really do that right. so yeah. so easily.
1: So now let me ask you a question. When you're in a bookstore and you're seeing all these books that you want, Mm -hmm. do you make lists? Do you take pictures? Do you open your Goodreads? Do you just think, if I come across them again, it shall be in the future? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't even take pictures because I think bookstores are kind of offended by that these days because they think you're just going to go order it from someone else. I mean, it has to be something really that catches my eye that I didn't know about if I'm going to write it down. But for the most part, I'm just like, oh, that's cool. And I keep moving Mm -hmm. because I'm starting to get really overwhelmed by the number of books I have to read. Yeah. Yeah and and the lack of reading time I seem even though I know I just said I read five books but you know during my regular work week I feel like I'm not reading that much and I just look every day at the books that I'm not reading and I feel like
1: ah oh. I know I've had that recently too where it's like I have the stack of new books I want to read my stack of my reading challenge books I want to read and then my stack of library books and yeah. it's just like oh, I yeah. end up not reading anything yeah. because I'm just you know loopy about it
0: Yeah Well, and also the other day, I just had the hankering to just go to the library. And I mean, I used to do that so much more and just, you know, look through the stacks and pick out a book and take it home and read it. Mm -hmm. So I might do that, assuming the library doesn't close. That might be coming. But
1: there are some I saw some Connecticut libraries of. Closed. Yeah.
0: But you know, I have plenty to read. So I've been trying to treat my bookshelves that way lately. Like, well, you have some bookshelves mm-hmm. you can browse at home, you right. know. Yeah. Um, and just being a little bit more open to I think there's something you know, people had said this to me for years that once you turn fifty, there's something that happens where you just will put a book down. And I have never been someone that doesn't finish a book. And lately I have been putting them down. Yeah. I haven't really been talking about that on the podcast, but um, mm-hmm. But I have been doing that more.
1: I know, like it's, if it doesn't grab you, I just don't have as much patience to keep going, unless it is something that I've wanted to read for a long time. I might give it a little bit more time, but not much.
0: For me, it's really this, I mean, this is so dark, but it's like this overwhelming feeling of like, I don't have as much time ahead of me to read. I better read what's grabbing me. Right. You know that's yeah. so dark, people. I'm sorry. Well,
1: no, it's true though because you know there are so many books out there, and 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 some books. So like the Octavia Butler that I didn't finish recently. I mean, I started it. I didn't. It's not like I dnf'd it halfway through, but it was just like not the right time. But yeah. I can tell this is something I might read in the future. Whereas a couple other books I didn't get into recently, it's just like nope not doing it for me and yeah you know or I've noticed this too like I've already read a book like that
0: yeah that's what Roxanne Cody says a lot she's like if it's a story that's already been told to me Mm -hmm. and unless they're telling it in such an extraordinarily different way yeah I can't you know because there's other stories I want to read and hear about
1: exactly yeah Yeah. so that's happening
0: yeah I can see that Well, I also had one couch biblio adventure. And this is from our friend Duane in Flagstaff, Arizona, in response to when I talked about listening to Michelle Obama and Oprah talking about on what is that her vision 2020 tour, I think is what it's called. On Goodreads, she said, Did you know that Oprah interviewed Malcolm Gladwell? about that book, Talking to Strangers, yeah, that I oh, cool. mentioned. And that's in her Super Soul Sunday. I love how Oprah names her different <laughs> things. And so I listened to it this week. It really kept me company, which was nice. And really interesting interview. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell is so well-spoken. And I think Oprah's just, she's such a talented interviewer, you know. And it was a really interesting conversation. Because to remind people, that book's about how When people who don't know each other come into contact with each other, the way that we perceive them has such an influence on how we interact with them and how oftentimes, unfortunately, these interactions go bad and lead to things that they shouldn't. So it was really interesting to hear him talk about why he wrote the book and just, you know, she asked him some really compelling questions. So I highly recommend it's just available on YouTube. I'll put the link in the show notes.
1: Cool. So, I'm definitely yeah. gonna watch that
0: yeah he's an interesting guy and that audiobook I just loved it it was nice. great Yeah.
1: well speaking of Oprah I almost had a couch adventure I started having one but then was rudely interrupted by a doorbell that took me into a different type of adventure but I started watching her book club interview with Janine Cummins um, on American Dirt so you have Apple TV. I do have Apple TV. That's one of those things that I got with that new iPhone. Mm-hmm.
0: A free
1: a free year, I think, of Apple TV. I think it was a whole year for that. So I was like, sure, sign me up. Yeah. So I started watching that, and I got to the point where Janine Cummins said that her publisher actually sent out 10,000 advanced reader copies. Wow. Yeah. And I, I mean, I remember, and I might have mentioned this in a past uh, episode, that the only other book I could remember getting this much hype was uh, Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. So I reached out to a bunch of people on a Borders Facebook page asking, like, if anybody knew how many copies the publisher had sent out for that book. Because I do remember each location got a, a copy. I, I thought it was five copies. It might have just been one copy. Because when, when I thought about it more, I remember a bunch of us passed the book around, uh, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, plus Dan Brown was going to be at Printer's Row that year, as well as Eric Larson for Devil in the White City, which Mm -hmm. was just coming out. So it was a really great year for Printer's Row, which is Chicago's annual literary fest. But there was also a letter that accompanied Dan Brown's uh, The Da Vinci Code from our president at the time, Tammy Heim, talking about this book and how it was going to be such a big seller. And they wanted to make sure all the booksellers read it and could hand sell it. So I want to find out
0: So you didn't get an answer?
1: I didn't get an answer because everybody then started talking about, you know, the book. (laughs) And a couple people did say that they, and the way I phrased the question did involve Janine Cummins saying
0: that the publisher sent out
1: 10,000 copies. And so a couple people did say that their store or they received an ARC of American Dirt and Mm -hmm. loved it.
0: Well, I think another question I'd want to ask is like, what is the typical number of ARCs, especially now that people get digital? You know, like, I mean, you and I both have access via NetGalley and Edelweiss. 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 Um, And we, I get denied quite Mm -hmm. frequently, but I wonder, you know, how many, I mean, I also get them too. I shouldn't just say I get denied. But, you know, I wonder how many they have to a lot, you know, and. Yeah, it's all, I think.
1: I think that varies dramatically Mm -hmm. depending on the marketing budget and the publisher size and the expectations they have for the book and what other books they have coming out that season.
0: Right. I mean, there were stacks of American Dirt at Book Expo for sure. And that's just one event. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. I
1: just wonder, like, it'd be fun to find out what book has had the most Mm -hmm. advanced reader copies. And then there, in the case of the Da Vinci Code, they also sent out t-shirts. Oh, wow. So we all had a T-shirt that we wore with the Da Vinci Code. Right.
0: Well, so um, I was going to talk about this also in upcoming jaunts because I was hoping to get to watch it because our buddy Ryan talked about that he watched, I think, the first two have been released of her book club talking about American Dirt because I think she's going to do six or something like that. And so did you watch enough of it to have a sense of whether you liked it or not? Did the doorbell ring too soon?
1: Um. No, I'm going to go back and keep watching it. Okay. Yeah. Because I, you know, I do want to hear what she has to say and and what um other folks who are on the show have to say
0: Mm -hmm. um yeah okay
1: yeah i'll definitely keep watching it so if you want to come over or whatever we can watch it together yeah
0: i mean and ryan i really respect ryan's opinion and he said he thought it was handled really well Mm -hmm. and that there were other guests i guess to have different perspectives yeah yeah some of her
1: critics as i say i mean they started with oprah sharing a lot of tweets that people you know complimentary and Critical. critical tweets that people were sending out about the book and, you know, asked Jeanine in to respond to that. And yeah, so they definitely jumped right into the controversy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. I mean, yeah. you
1: can't not. You can't not. Yeah. I mean, and I think the thing is now everybody, some people will never read it and hate it. Other people have read it and loved it. Some people right. read it and thought, oh, it's okay. Yeah, You know, as we've talked about with other books, too, like when there is so much hype or controversy about a book, it's hard to read it with right. a, with a clear mind because all that does influence you.
0: Right. I mean, I think anyone I know who's been through a drama, a heightened drama of any kind in their personal life or in their professional life or whatever, also knows that eventually there'll be another one another drama that comes along that usurps yours mm-hmm. you know and so that yeah. has certainly happened
1: yeah with the whole Woody Allen yeah exactly memoir being
0: yeah pulled yep Yep. yeah if anyone who doesn't know that a publisher agreed to publish a Woody Allen's new memoir and it was the same publisher that published Ronan Farrow his son's yeah memoir and he there was outrage, and there wasn't just outrage from him, but there was outrage from some of the employees of the publisher as well, and they've pulled it.
1: Yeah, they did a walkout. Yeah. And, um, well, and Rowan and Farrow, I mean, they'd been working on Woody Allen's memoir, supposedly, for a year while they were working on his book, and he mm-hmm. just thought that that was a little backhanded, I believe was maybe the word he used. So, But controversial. And, you know, some people say, well, that's censorship, and other people say, no, it's not, just... You know, not everybody deserves a platform mm-hmm. for their their story, right? If there are extenuating circumstances, because you know, technically, only the government can censor mm-hmm. and government right. organizations. That's yeah. why attacks on books at libraries are so heinous because they are technically an arm of the local government. So. That is why uh, it's kind of a different story f- from library to a publisher, because mm-hmm. a publisher is a business. Right. So A for-profit business. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In most cases. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And, you know, Woody Allen also has a pretty big platform. He could tell his story in another way. Well, so I thought he, he could self-publish to. it and
1: sell yeah. millions of copies, I'm sure. Yeah. I've never seen one of his movies. Yeah. And I just, yeah, yeah. So
0: That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. So did you have any other Biblio adventures?
1: Well, I did. I had a really fun one. I I was um, helping a friend who's writing a biography. And so I spent three days at the New York Public Library Archives Department going through letters, working with letters to this person. And, I mean, it was like, you know, who's who of the 19th century from Susan B. Anthony to Jane Addams, Henry James, Edith Wharton, Stephen Crane. I mean... It was amazing to see everybody's handwriting. <laughs> oh. um, and and I had to whip through things rather quickly. So, um, but I photographed all the letters. And now I look forward to going back and reading some of them. I mean, some of them I couldn't help but, you know, stop and read because right. something caught my eye that they're, you know, they're ripping on somebody or talking about a book or something like that. So,
0: So you were in the inner sanctum of the big... New York Public Library with the lions in the front, right? Yes, I mean, that's the yeah. library you're in. And did you have to, I have to just know because I'm a nerd, mm. like, did you have to wear white gloves? Or no, do not that?
1: with that collection. Okay. Um, but that this is the collection where you do have to register and be approved and then they pull the archival material and you have a date and you're scheduled to be there. They do watch you like a hawk to really protect the material. So, you know, in this case it was all 19th century early 20th century letters. So, the deal is that you open it a folder at a time and all the materials have to stay on top of the folder. Okay. So, as you turn a letter, if you're going to take a photograph, you have to slide your white sheet and then put the letter on top while it's all still on top of that folder okay. because they don't want anything to get disorganized. They want to try and keep things as organized as possible. You have to keep the letters flat. Mm-hmm. You can't lift them because like I know I got busted one time because I was lifting a letter because I love watermarks. Um. And so, you know, this is a 19th century paper and so many of them had these beautiful watermarks. So I was holding this one up and taking a photo and... The guy came over, he's like, it has to stay flat. I was like, thank you, I know,
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> so is there just someone at a desk just watching you the whole time?
1: Yeah, there are two or three people, and they're, they're. I mean, they're doing their work, but they're glancing up and making yeah, sure. Because, okay. like, when I first got there, you know, they give you, an, uh, you know, kind of like a lowdown on how to treat that particular process, process you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, and at one point, like, I took off my sweater, and the guy came and took it and said, we'll hold it for you up here. Because, you know, they have to look out for theft right. as well as how people are using the collections. Um, if somebody has a rare book and it needs a booster, they'll bring you the right sized booster. Mm. If you are, so everybody has their own desk with a lamp on it. And if your st- stuff starts getting a little crowded, they'll come and they'll push it back mm. just yeah. to, you know, and I really respect that because yeah. you want to keep these collections intact and as damage free as possible there was a woman next to me who was working with old photographs who had gloves on okay so it really depends on what the collection is and and were
0: you everything. just taking pictures with your cell phone mm-hmm. okay yeah and i'm assuming they don't allow flash or anything no like that. flash yeah. yeah
1: and and it depends on the collection as well some of them you can take photos others you can't
0: gotcha you must so, have just been in uh, hog heaven. I had so much fun.
1: I love <laughs> archives in general, of course. And I'd yeah. never been in the uh, New York Public Library's archives, yeah. so
0: yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's so cool. And did you see anyone famous doing research?
1: No, I not that. I mean, I really it was it was uh, really kind of funny because you know you do kind of look around and you think like, gosh, I wonder what they're working on. Like mm-hmm. there was a woman next to me working on uh, a very old. Arabic text and Mm. you know it's just kind of like you just wonder like what is everyone's work here right you know what are they working on but Um,
0: everyone's so busy and your time's limited and all that but I bet you kind of wanted to say hey y'all can we meet up afterwards (laughs) and have just a quick (laughs) cup of coffee and I just want your story yeah
1: it's it's really it was a really good time
0: oh that's so cool I loved following your adventure through social media because I could just tell you were so happy
1: yeah I was. That's great. It was a great. Uh, very happy to help out. Um, this is one of my old professors, and she's, as I said, working on a new biography. So it was fun to be helping out with that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I ha- have a tentative date set to go back to look at some Willa Cather manuscripts mm. with revision notes and things like that. Um, but we'll see how things go with this coronavirus. Right. And when I feel like it's okay to go back into the city. Because mm-hmm. even that, that was, so that was last week before the major outbreak here in the United States and the declaration of a, being a pandemic. Um, the last day when I was coming back on Thursday, uh, a young man sat down next to me and whipped out his wipes and wiped down everything. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh and even i was at the library at the guilford library last saturday reading and the librarian was walking around with a spray bottle and a a rag wiping down arms and tabletops and even the arms of the chair i was sitting in yeah (laughs) he's just like thank you like i appreciate it
0: well it's one of my pet peeves i mean really we should do that more often and one of my pet peeves when i go into like a restaurant that's counter service, and then you go to sit at a table, and it's covered with stuff is like, you know, this is how people get sick, especially during flu season, like, you know, wipe down the tables when people get up and and leave and so I think if nothing else that's good that we're being more cleanly mm-hmm. I was telling Chris though sadly for me I'm allergic to Purell and a lot of cleaners just because of the fragrance in it Yeah. so I start to sneeze and sound like a very ill person <laughs> when, so we get on our plane and Jim starts to wipe everything down and I just start sneezing and of course you know 50 heads turn in my direction so I have to take allergy medicine to put up with all of the Purell and spray that are being used but that's you know yeah I can do that it's not a tragedy but but it is seasonal allergy season is starting you know as everything starts to bloom here and so I feel like it's adding a layer like anytime I go anywhere I feel like I'm very cautious of the fact that I'm sneezy this time of year but anyway
1: well it was really interesting because so I was in New York Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday and on Tuesday I actually saw more people with masks on
0: Mm, mm -hmm. on
1: Thursday I only saw like one person
0: Hmm. maybe people were just staying home at that point more too yeah
1: it's hard to know it is hard to know
0: Well, upcoming jaunts, we kind of wanted to talk about some options for what you can do if you're staying home. One of the things that I thought was really fun is um, the author Carolyn Levitt, who I love. I've read quite a few of her books, but her most recent book was Cruel, Beautiful World, which I actually talked about on both Episode 7 and 14. I think Episode 7, that seems so long ago. Holy smokes. (laughs) Back in aught, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, I read the book and talked about it in episode seven. Episode 14 is when I got to see her at the Newburyport Literary Festival. Okay. But she's one of those authors that has always been very supportive of other authors. She has a blog where she interviews authors about their books. And she started something because she has a book coming out. Her new book is With or Without You, which doesn't come out until August. But she started a virtual book tour, It's awesome. Because she said, you know, so many people have release dates coming up now. I've been seeing authors right and left who are talking about how their book tours have been canceled and their events have been canceled. And obviously, Chris and I pay a lot of attention to event calendars because as you listeners know, we go to events a lot. Things are just being canceled.
1: They are. I know my book group was planning on going to the Harriet Beecher Stowe House tomorrow because we recently yeah. read Uncle Tom's Cabin, but we're we not going to be going. We'll right. reschedule for a later date. But yeah, so many events being
0: Yeah. Canceled. So what Carolyn did is she did a YouTube video of her book, and then she also recommends that people talk about another book. So she did that, and she recommends a couple of her favorite indie bookstores. And she's inviting other authors to contribute to this virtual book tour. So, so so far I've seen, I think, three or four other authors. So I'll put a link in the show notes to this. And one of the things that all of the authors are saying, and that's just kind of going viral on social media in general, is that economically this is really difficult for small businesses. I mean, January, February, March, in general, if businesses are in more of a winter or inclement climate, They eek by this time of year in order to make it to whatever the season is for them. So if you have it in your generosity and in your pocketbook to be able to reach out and buy books from the indie bookstores right now, I know they'd be really appreciative. A lot of them are actually starting delivery services, I noticed. So check with your local indie if you don't want to go out and you want a book in your hands Tomorrow, reach out to them. Maybe they've started a delivery service. Mm-hmm. But if you have money to spend, it really would help the economy if you keep it flowing. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's my public service announcement.
1: I had a birthday recently, and Yay. I did go to Barnes and Noble for a really good browse. And then we were gonna go up to the um, Wesleyan, R.J. Julia, and, and Middle Tom. We didn't make it up there, but I did call them, and I put in an order for a book that I actually hope to pick up next Thursday when I'm up there. But fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, that we're in Connecticut, as everyone knows, things are kind of not closed here yet. Seemingly, I mean, there's a slow, slowly they're starting to Yeah, the
1: governor just put out a a notice about canceling things, certain things, um, events with over 250 people and and whatnot. And I think some schools are closing around the Hartford area. And so it's a slow, slow creep. So, so we're not
0: sure what's going to happen with bookstores, but, you know, we'll see. I'm sure events, you know, as we know, events have been canceled. The other thing Chris and I are hoping to do in the next, hopefully before the next episode is watch the movie version of Drive Your Power Over the Bones of the Dead.
1: Yes, that will be a fun thing yeah. to watch. Yeah,
0: I think, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Pokot, P-O-K-O-T, Pokot? Pokot? I don't know. <laughs> so that's that's some of the jaunts we're thinking of what about you chris any thoughts
1: well you know i'm definitely gonna watch like i said that oprah book club and, mm-hmm. and she has other ones too um as you mentioned too, other video opportunities with authors yeah um, you know i was just really thinking about it's a good time to maybe dig into some series book Mm -hmm. series that you've kind of been putting off maybe for a while or revisiting old ones and or doing like a book movie combination if there's adaptations I'm thinking about series or like a discovery of witches that was a recent one where they did the the movie adaptation or the I think it was Netflix. Um, you could do a Jane Austen marathon reading and movie watching yes. or one or the other. Like, like the book I'm reading right now, Tipping the Velvet, the BBC did do a three-part mini series on that a couple of years ago, which I have a copy of. So who knows? I might re-watch that. I had another one in here. Oh, yeah. So like something like sl- uh, Slumdog Millionaire, mm. which was based on a book called Q&A. I'm sorry I didn't write the author's name down. And... You know, that was one where the movie adaptation, I really love the movie, but it was radically different from the book.
0: Oh, interesting. I didn't even know. I loved that movie. I didn't even know it was based on a book.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So, you know, doing things like that or, you know, watching all of the Dracula movies, you can get your hands on
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's really what Chris is going to (laughs) do. Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. No. But, you know, one thing in all seriousness with this coronavirus and people being at home more potentially in isolation or just social distancing one of the hazards people are talking about is an increase in domestic violence Mm -hmm. so we hope none of you listeners are in that position but if you should be we do hope that you'll take advantage of the national hotline and call them for help and support and that phone number is 1-800-799-7233 and their website is thehotline.org. So we'll put that in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, as as longtime listeners know, I work, um, some of my work is in philanthropy. And just yesterday, I was dealing with a lot of emails about how what are we going to do in the philanthropic sector, because I am fortunate to work on the funding side. And philanthropy's Often step in in times like this. I know the Gates Foundation is doing everything they can to put funnel money into testing and getting access to testing for individuals. I don't even think just stateside. I mean, they're a national. I mean, an international funder. Um, the foundations, both the foundations I work for, highly recognize that this is devastating to nonprofits. A lot of nonprofits are on the edge anyway. And one of the things that happens, I mean, one of the organizations that I helped to get a grant last year was for their big fundraiser this year. They work two years working up to the fundraiser and they had to cancel it. Devastating. Yes. I mean, they've not only is it devastating because the event won't happen, but they have spent a lot of money. To put on the event that now they're not going to recoup. Yeah. So as funders, we can often step in and say, "Hey, you can use the money we gave you in a different way, or do you need some money to keep your doors open?" You know. And and I was talking to someone yesterday who said, even you know, they're on a personal level, they have house cleaners that come into their house, but they maybe aren't going to have them come in because we're supposed to be social distancing. But what they can do because and they're in a position to do it is continue to pay them right yeah. even though they're not doing the work and i think that's what you can we as a society can start to think in that way and just really try to band together and help each other out
1: exactly and, and a lot of people are saying that with the in the arts community if you have tickets for a show that's not been canceled may if you can you know take that cost and yeah. just consider it a goodwill gesture towards this entertainment industry who has given you so much over the years right
0: Yeah. I mean, and I even feel that way. I mean, I have tickets booked out for some spring travel. It's like, okay, you know, I am not going to be able to go on that trip and that's okay. And I don't have to worry about, you know, getting a refund or whatever. I mean, if it comes, that's great. If it doesn't, I'm going to just deal with that, you know? So I think we can all be thinking about that on a personal level, but it is, I mean, my daughter works for this local school system. Well, not here. I don't know why I said local, (laughs) local where I used to live. And, you know, she's really worried about the kids that, you know, they get their meals, their breakfast and their lunch at school and what's going to happen now. So there's a lot of, you know, fallout from our current situation. So let's all just be kind to each other if we can.
1: And, you know, ask for help. Yeah. Call your local town if you need help and support with food or any type of support. Don't You know, this is not the time to to suck it up either. If you really need help, reach out.
0: Yeah. Yep. And I think that's part of... The hard thing about social distancing is, you know, we still want to try to keep in contact with the people that are around us in other ways, whether it be through the telephone or social media or whatever. So,
1: Well, yeah, yeah. talk about the telephone. Like, you know, I'm a little bit behind the times, perhaps, but I just recently started doing conference calls on my phone with like Mm -hmm. my mom and my sister at the same time.
0: And it's so much fun. It is. So,
1: you know, that's a thing to do. And I know, Laura, my wife, has regular video launches with a friend who's back in Chicago. And, you know, that's just a fun way to have some type of connection. Yes. uh, Even remotely.
0: Yeah. When Chris arrived today, I told her that she's the second person I've seen since Monday. And it's Friday. (laughs) now but what Jim and I do every night is we FaceTime Mm -hmm. and it makes a huge difference if you actually see somebody yeah you know yeah and I do that with my kids every not as often as I would like I think it's more meaningful to me than it is (laughs) to them. but I do think the difference between I mean hearing someone's voice is always lovely but that with the technology we have now it's nice to be able to see people so absolutely hopefully people can use that So, do you have any plans for any upcoming reads?
1: I do. I have so many upcoming reads. Oh. Yay! I can't wait Where to. Where did hear this them. one go? Oh, well, this one is behind me. It was actually <laughs> actually my backrest. This is such a big book. It's called The Whole Fish New Ways to Cook, Eat, and Think by Josh Nyland. It's a cookbook all about fish. And so it has recipes, but what it really does is it talks about. I mean, fish anatomy, how to cook fish, what some of the problems are with fish after you've cooked it.
0: Hmm. Like
1: this one thing, like if you've ever had kind of like a squishy fish texture, that's actually a parasite that was in that fish. Hmm. So it's a parasite that can't, it doesn't supposedly hurt humans, he says, but it is something that causes the fish meat to taste kind of mushy. But he talks um, in here, there's a lot of pictures and it starts feeling a little gruesome at times. Because it's talking about how to dismember a fish, tools to use, different parts of the fish to to eat. But it's a beautiful book. And unfortunately, really? it's due back at the library. And Ugh. I can't renew it because there's a hold on it. I mean, I got it off of a hold. But, you know, we live on the coast. So a lot of people interested in cooking fresh fish here.
0: It's a beautiful cookbook.
1: Yeah. I nice. really like that a lot. And then I'll also be reading uh, another Cather short story called two friends which cather wrote in a letter to her publisher that she thought it was the best story she'd written it is one that i revisited around the 2016 election here and cather based this story on uh, people she knew back in the day during another really divisive presidential election
0: Mm.
1: so Mm. i'll be reading that
0: great yeah how about you well, I wanted to acknowledge that it's Women's History Month. March is Women's History Month. And I had gotten this book in the mail a long time ago. It's called What Are We For? The Words and Ideals of Eleanor Roosevelt. It came out, I want to say, in November of 2019. Um, I started to flip through it. It's a really lovely reference for you know different they took quotes essentially from different speeches she gave over her time as the first lady and then just as a woman ex-political person (laughs) in the world so I thought I'd just read a couple there is plenty of room for differences of opinion on how we shall attain our ends but there is very little room for differences of opinion as to what our ends shall be (laughs) I love that. That was in Mar- on March 6, 1950. Mm-hmm. This one, I thought, was so appropriate. Our representatives in Congress are becoming temporizers. They are unable to make up their minds about anything because the American people are not clear and determined in their own minds where they stand and where they are going. That was May 7, 1946. Mm-hmm. Indifference, apathy, unwillingness on the part of good people to go down into the arena and fight will give any city or any country poor government. November 8th, 1945. Mm -hmm. So it's separated by different subject areas, but then there are quotes from the different things, and I'll leave you with this one. If you are doing something that exploits people and is purely selfish, they will always know it. But if you act from a real concern for people, a desire to help them, to develop themselves. You will find warm cooperation and eventually an ability to work together that is fruitful because it is voluntary and not imposed. But it must be a natural growth based on mutual respect and trust. That's a great quote to end with. I love that. So it's a really handy little book. I think it would be a really fun gift for someone. And I just thought it was a nice way to acknowledge and celebrate. Women's History Month, which is the entire month of March. And then I also had these three books that I think one of them I've talked about before, but I just thought I'd mention them, again, thinking about women and how important we are in the world. One is called Dare to Be You, Inspirational Advice for Girls on Finding Your Voice, Leading Fearlessly and Making a Difference. This is by Marion Schnell. And this is like the young adult version of the book, Leading the Way which is also by Marion, and this is inspiring words for women, and she has quotes from really famous people like Gloria Steinem, Oprah Winfrey, Amy Poehler, and so these, I think, would be really fun companion books to buy or to give to people, particularly the Dare to Be You, I think, would be a really fun high school graduation gift, which is around the corner. mm mm-hmm. And then also the Feminist Handbook, which is Practical Tools to Resist Sexism and Dismantle the Patriarchy. And this is by Joanne Bagshaw. And it's kind of, it's a, it's a handbook. It's a social justice handbook that I think is really fun and interesting. It has activities you can do.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a workbook. Yeah, Yeah.
0: You know, sometimes I think as much as we think we'll do this work on our own, to have a reason to sit down and really reflect and look at things, I think is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And this book is in that category. Again, it's called The Feminist Handbook. I love the cover. And then as far as just fiction reading, I have so many things on my e-reader. And I just have been having a hard time jumping in. So I'm not going to commit to anything. I'll see what my, where my mind goes.
1: All right. <laughs> Okay, well, stay tuned for the next episode, but for now, we'll sign off by saying,
0: Happy reading! reading.
1: Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Until then, come chat with us on social media or on our Goodreads group. And if you'd like to contact us directly, email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone.